Welcome to the Rush Valley Podcast. Today, we will be talking about everything outdoors, family, and some badass stories. I am your host, Anders Lantz, and today, we will be talking with my good buddy, Matthew Peterson, Spencer Schroeder, and his boss, Wes Kuzler. We got a lot to talk about today. We will talk about the season that started today, and the trips that Wes has planned, and some that he's already been on. So let's not waste any time here. Let's introduce each other here. Uh, Wes, why don't you go first, introduce yourself, let everyone know uh, what you do, where you're from, uh, and your story. Um, my name is Wes Kuzluck, 31 years old, uh, from River Falls. He's uh, there today. I uh, have a beautiful life. It's uh, Afton, he's five, and then Richard, he's three. Uh, Worked for a family-run business. Uh, done it ever since I got out of high school. Uh, we travel a lot to work, doing businesses in a couple different states. Um, and I really only have one passion, and that's hunting. So um, that's kind of my story. I work a lot, have a great family, and they do a lot of hunting. And put up with Matthew. And put up with Matthew. He's up. Rise and please. All right, Matthew. Introduce yourself. Let everyone know. You gotta let him talk a little bit, I guess. Ah, I'm Matthew Peterson. I'm 22 years old. I've been good friends with Anders for a long time here. Uh, we grew up together, wrestled together. Uh, hunting and fishing has always been my passion. You know, uh, love doing it. Nothing better to do than being outdoors. And yeah, I'm excited for the hunting season and what it's got to come. Spence, uh, Spencer Schroeder, 23 years old. Uh, from Ellsworth, grew up just down the road from Anders. Um, spent a lot of time in the outdoors with Anders and you know whatnot growing up. Dabbled a little bit with turkey. My main passion is probably whitetail hunting. Yeah. Um, so Wes, you're you're driving right now. Yeah, I'm driving driving home from Kansas right now. Yeah. Why don't you uh, Why don't you talk about that a little bit? That was kind of the first thing I kind of want to talk about. Your you were down, I guess, south. Yeah, down in Kansas, uh, muzzleloader, early muzzleloader hunting for whitetails. Uh, me and my cousin Ryan both threw a tag, and we're hunting. That guy's, I guess he owns multiple properties, and then he leases some pilot properties also, kind of down by Wichita, Kansas. And uh, my cousin killed a really, really good deer, very mature deer, uh, on Tuesday, and I played cat and mouse with a really good deer all week. I actually seen him four different times and just never got him killed. So I'm the way back now and I'm actually gonna probably go back down there in December, uh, late season hunting, hopefully catch back up with him. Yeah. So is that obviously someone owns that is he an outfitter or is it just someone you know or how did you get hooked up with that? So he he is an outfitter but it, it isn't what he does for a living. Uh He's a been very successful businessman, and uh, he just has a lot of property. Likes to chase whitetails, so he takes like usually eight to ten guys each. And I mean, he, we're talking; he's got close to I think it's around fifteen thousand acres between lease. Yeah. Um. So when you're down there hunting, does he have like an area for you to you know stay, food, uh, whatnot, or you just kind of get a hotel or camp? Every ranch he owns, for the most part, or he leases, has a ranch house on it. So we we were jumping around. Come, he owns property 
from his house, he owns property pretty much two hours every direction. Uh, so we were jumping around to different farms as deer would hit the camera or whatever, you know, decided to switch it up. We actually stayed in, I think, three different houses during the week. That's sweet. Um, so when did you get down there? Uh, we we left last Sunday and drove all day so we could scout Sunday night. Yeah. How was, uh, how was scouting? Driving around? Good. Glassing? Yeah. The first, yeah, the first night we actually went to a field where I played cat and mouse all week with this bus for the most part. Uh, we've seen him come out Sunday night. was the day, night before opener. He'd come out half hour before dark. And we're like, well, if he does that one time, he's dead, right? Our setup's perfect for him. We went in there Monday, and he'd come out on the other side on a cornfield, not a bean field, and my cousin seen him. And so we kind of we switched over to the corn side, and he kept coming out of the same spot, but with the wind and the way the property laid out, I couldn't get close to him. And he just, he, he'd feed a different direction every night. Yeah. So he, I was actually had him in range one time, but it was about five minutes after they were shooting. Last night, I probably could have killed him if I would have seen him right away. Um, and I didn't. And yeah, it got too got too dark, got too late on me, and I couldn't shoot him. Yeah, and then your your cousin ended up shooting a a nice one. Yeah, he killed a really nice deer. It scored one forty seven. Girls is a really nice, basically a nine pointer old deer, real mature, like super super cool, unique deer, dark horns, like character all over, really. Yeah, I saw. I think I saw a picture of it on Instagram. It was a. Yeah, and I I passed it here on the yeah. uh, second morning of the hunt. That like I could kill them, and I've been really happy with that. It was, like again, a mature deer probably should have shot him, but I had my eyes set on the other one. So I just I held out. Yeah, you 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 think you'll go back down in December then? Yeah, I think I'll go back down in December, and uh, yeah, things will look a lot different. Then it was hot; it was ninety degrees every day. Yeah, so it was it was physical. Kind of a pain in the ass. What was it? Yeah. So after you kind of shot, uh, your cousin shot his deer, was it kind of get it all cut up, quartered up, put it in coolers, or was it at back Yeah, end? that's exactly. There was a guy, actually a guy in the one town, who was a taxidermist. He, uh, he had a walk-in cooler at his house. So he we got the deer, got it out, whatever, got it to him right away, and he helped us do all of it and just put it in his walk-in cooler, and I got to stay there until we left. Okay. Oh, worked out worked out really good. Yeah, that's kind of nice. Well, did you do any filming? We No, we didn't do much. We actually had the guy we were hunting with, um, his, one of his neighbors filmed for Lee and Tiffany, the crush. Okay. Um, she's actually Tiffany's camera gal, and she was home this past week, so she filmed us the first couple of days just to help for his to get some video for him. So yeah. she was a really nice gal, really cool to meet her and everything. So she had some cool stories. Yeah, that's awesome. I know I know you used to kind of have a hunting show. I talked with Matthew or whatever. Um, are you kind of done with that? Yeah. That's, yes, I am done with it. I had a show for two years on the Pursuit Channel. And then there's uh, Waypoint TV, which is kind of like outdoor, my outdoor TV or whatever. Yep. Uh, I was on that for a year, and it just it got to be more of a hassle than it was worth. 
mean, the filming part of it, I didn't mind at all. Um, but to try to get sponsors just to break even doing the show was uh, just and family and everything. It was just it got to be a full time job on the side just to try to break even to do the show. So I quit. Yeah, I mean, a lot of as everyone's dream is kind of to be able to film their hunts and have it on on a TV, but I feel like it almost it's almost too much work for what it, it really is. Yeah, it, it turns into a lot of work. I will say, while I had this show, I never, I never lost an animal. Like, didn't get a shot at an animal because of the camera. You know, it never costed me an animal. Yep. But the hardest part for me was like in Wisconsin. Like when I went on trips hunting, it was fine because I always had a camera guy with me, so I didn't have to worry about it so much. Yeah. But when I hunt in Wisconsin, you know, you get down with work early, or you have half day Saturday working, so you go hunting Saturday night hard to find a camera person self-filming stuff yeah. it's really hard to do and a complete hassle so it just yeah it, it got to be like yeah take away the fun of it some of the time you know it's yeah exactly for me anyway yeah well so what do you exactly do for work i know you work with matthew but matthew doesn't work too much he's kind of lazy yeah <laughs> he's always trying to get off really so he can go fishing or complaining that he's gonna go yeah, he wants to go hunt, and then he doesn't go anyway, so I don't even want to go. <laughs> He's going derbying or hanging out with his girlfriend. Yep, exactly. We, says, I think everyone's got him figured out. <laughs> he's been doing that since he's a little kid. So what do you what do you yeah. do for work? So we own a, we own an excavating business out of River Falls, Wisconsin. It's a pretty decent sized business. We probably have I don't know, stick around sixty employees there, and then uh, we have. Went in Utah, which has been going for a couple years. Um, probably have another 25 guys out there. And then we own a business in Wyoming, another frack fan mine that we just got going. Matthew spent quite a bit of time out there this, this spring. Um, same deal, about 25 employees out there. So, yeah, no, we, we keep plenty busy. And then actually in the middle of right now, I got into long-range shooting quite a bit. So I designed my own rifle stock that the first one I, I hunted with the prototype all last year in the first oh, I'm going to have it at my house next week I'm going to start shooting it for the rest of my hunts this year and yeah I'm hoping to sell them I guess I started a business selling guns back yeah no that's sweet you you also have uh, a wife and kids so I'm sure that's also another full time job um, yeah <laughs> she and she likes to hunt too. So, how does that work out? It makes it really tough because, <laughs> like, I love I love that she likes to hunt, but then, like, when we go on trips, it's double the cost. It's hard, you know. Everything about it is hard, but like, she's a really good hunter. I mean, she'll if she was on here, she'd be bragging about that she has a bigger whitetail and mealy than me. So, I mean, <laughs> I she likes it. to likes to brag about it a little bit. But no, she's a great hunter. But what I usually do. So, like, at home when we hunt, I've had a lease down in Buffalo County for, I don't know, like 15 years now. Mm-hmm. And we're only allowed so many people, and she can't be on it with me. So, what we do is, like, I find, Matthew knows this, I drive around, like, from July 1st to September 1st, four or five nights a week at home scouting for her. Yep. And I'll usually find, like, a handful of really, really good deer at home right by our house. And I'll set it all up for, her, and I don't even hunt. 
like even if I have a bigger deer, like last year I had a two giants right by my house. I never even hunted for them. I let her hunt for them, and she ended up killing the one. So I mean, she she and then she usually goes on one at least one hunt a year with me. Um, but she's like, I've already shot a big mule deer. I don't need to go hunt for muleys anymore. And I'm the opposite. I kill one every year for the rest of my life. Yeah, I'd be happy. So. So you're telling me when there's 170, 180 inch deer on camera, or you scouted one out, you're letting her go out after it? So last year, <laughs> crazy, right above my house, there's a field, and I don't know what it is to do with that field because everything to the north of it is all is a big, huge housing development, and I think all those deer, all the deer live in that housing development, so they actually get to maturity unlike any other deer in Wisconsin. And I found a buck that I believe was low 180s. Matthew knows what deer it is. He's got, he had like 12 inch brown tights, 11 inch brown tights. Crazy deer. So I'm watching that deer all summer, and then all of a sudden another one started showing up. And I'm like, God, big deer too. He's a non typical. He had a bunch of goofy stuff going on. So trying to figure out how I'm going to kill these deer. They never come to my, like, towards my house. It's only like a quarter mile away, but they never go that way. So my cousin field on the back side of it, the only chunk of land in this whole housing development that's not developed. And I set up in the corner of it, and, like, within a week I had that 180 on camera every single day. And the night before opener was the first time, I, like, since I put it there. And then that non-typical showed up. So we hunted, she hunted it really hard, and then as October came, we got into, like, late October, we had a really big cold snap that came through, and we got snow, and I'm like, I don't care what you have planned, and that you have to sit there. So he was in, like, half hour after dark last night, he's going to be in there tonight, and she went in and she killed him. Yeah. So, and that saw. deer, yeah, I, <laughs> that I, deer I, scored 170. That I, deer was crazy. Yeah, that's a, that was a nice deer. So did yeah. your your wife's name is Megan. Did she did she hunt before you guys started dating or got married? Yeah, she hunted, but she had never um, she never killed a deer with her bow. And you know, she was like constant deer hunter. You know what I mean? Yep. Go up north for a gun season. Go bow hunting. You know, two, three, four times a year. Uh, nothing crazy, but she liked to do it. And so I started taking her with me on a few trips. I actually took her to Kansas. Um, I took her and my sister to Kansas, and they killed. My sister killed a 164. Megan killed a 158. And I, yeah, they kicked my butt. So I'm like, I got to quit taking them on trips with me. <laughs> and every time I take her, she ends up shooting something bigger than me. So, But, no, she's, she loves it, like. She would go all the time, but it's tough. Like, I own my own business, so I can go on trips, and I don't have I don't have to worry about vacation time and all that, where Megan's a nurse, so she only gets so much time. So, you know, she gets to pick and choose one or two trips. She goes on with me a year, and it works out. Is that why Matthew's been kissing ass at work, so he can... Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yep. <laughs> so... I was trying to smooth his way in. <laughs> so... I mean, since you're on hunting trips, let's talk about some hunting trips. How many do you usually try and go on a year? I I always go on, like, I would say in the last 10 years, I've always went on two 
and sometimes like up to four. Yeah. Depends on like what the trips are. I have a hunt in Canada. Me and Megan for our honeymoon went to Alberta on a muley muley hunt, and we went there every year since. Besides now with all the crap going on with the border yep. being closed and all that stuff, so we haven't went the last few years, but. Became really good friends with the guy we hung with up there. We actually went to his wedding and just like that's probably my one trip that I would try to do like every year for the rest of my life. I just love going up there. Great people, huge white hills, huge muleys, big elk. You can see moose there. Like that's one of my favorite trips there is. But I always, me and Megan, since we've been married for six years, we've never fought beef once. Yeah. Uh, I've killed an elk. And she's killed a lot of pizza, or she's killed one elk, but I kill at least an elk every year. Um, and we literally live off elk meat and a little bit of venison. Yeah, that's perfect. How many uh, how many trips this year do you have planned? So uh, in April, I had no trips. Like I was freaking out because I didn't draw any of the tags I had applied for. I had no hunt. So this Kansas hunt came up last minute. So. Me, Megan, and my cousin applied for it, and Megan didn't draw, but me and Ryan did. And after that, good. I've met so many cool people like going on these trips that I don't know. It's like you get connections and things come up, and they call you. And so, a buddy in Utah that I've hunted with, he knew of a tag in Colorado for elk, so I jumped on that. And then I found out like two days later that I drew the best. Idaho mule deer tag there is. Didn't even know that. Like, didn't even try to apply for it. And I drew it on a complete accident. And then I also have a muley tag for Colorado for the Eastern Plains this year that my taxidermist, good buddy, lives out there and got connected with him. And now I'm going there too. Perfect. What uh, What has been like the best hunting trip that you've been on or that you advise for? other people um probably elk you know there's a the smartest animal that i've ever hunted i've hunted all the way from i mean i've hunted mexico to, to alberta and everything in between and i'm hunting the yukon for moose next year um but probably elk i don't know there's just they're not like the white tail is the smartest animal, period. Like, there's nothing that compares to how smart a white tail is. Yeah. Um, but being in the mountains and hearing elk bugle, just being around them is, is I don't know, it's an unbelievable experience and it doesn't get old. Like, literally, I've hunted elk 12, 13 straight years. Yeah. And I just, it's just incredible. Like, being up there and with them. And it's just, yeah, no, elk are probably my favorite. From, from Mexico to Alberta. And in between, what is what is the best area that you've hunted? For um, I would for elk. Um, if you can draw the tag, Arizona. Um, but if you're just gonna do like you know you're on a really tight budget and you just want to go elk hunting, then your best opportunity is Colorado. But you're also gonna deal with it'd be like hunting public land up north for whitetails in Wisconsin, you know, yep. you're not going to probably shoot a big elk. You probably, you might, you might go five times and only see elk one of the trips, but it's your most reasonable price wise and opportunity to, to do it. 
Uh, I've always told everyone that asked me, because everyone always asks, like, oh, I just want to go on one elk hunt. And I just want to share it out go on one elk hunt. I want to shoot one elk. And it's like, you, you'd be better off if your goal is just to shoot one elk and to save your money for five years and just and spend the money. Unfortunately, hunting out west, a lot of it come down to, like, if you want to shoot a giant elk, if you don't draw the tag, it's how much money you have. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because it limits the amount of people that ever get to do it, you know, yeah. and where they get to do it. But in the elk hunting and mule deer world, the, the more you spend, the better opportunity you have at a trophy and a good experience, I guess they should say. Yeah. Um, but again, if you draw a tag in a good unit, then that changes everything. But take a long time to draw good tags. Like, I got 10 points in every Western state for elk and mule deer, and I have not drawn the tags I want to draw yet. Yeah. Just no, waiting 10 years. That's what I've kind of heard out west now, is, and it's getting harder and harder every year as as we go on. Yes, it is. It's getting, getting really, really difficult. That's why, like, after this year, I probably won't hunt elk again until I start drawing tags. Um, I've actually considered I might do some guiding out there next year. I got my buddy that I hooked up with in Utah. Like my dad and my father-in-law and an employee of mine are out in Utah right now, elk hunting where I hunted last year. Like instead of I've killed a lot of elk and I've been really lucky. I've killed some really good elk that I honestly I could go guide one hunt a year and I'd be happy. I just like hunting them. It's just fun to be around them. And, yeah, it's, it's enjoyable for me. So I can honestly guide elk every year and it'd be satisfying. Yeah. Um, so do you go with guides and outfitters or do you kind of try and do it like do-it-yourself hunts or whatnot? It depends on the hunt. So um, Colorado elk tag this year is not through an outfitter, even though I am hunting with a good buddy that is a guide. I mean, that's what he does. He guides, but he's not guiding that week and, He's just going to come hunt with me. Um, Idaho, same deal. Um, I'm not going with an outfitter. I met a guy out there. He's going to show me around for a day and then kind of let me loose. Um, this can't, you know, I do, I do like, I'd say 60% guided, 40% not. Uh, it's tough because, like, owning the business, businesses that we own, the time and traveling that we have in it, and then family, I don't have time to, like, hey, I'm going to take a week in the summer and go figure this area out and then go hunt it. You know, it's almost cheaper and a lot more, I mean, you've got a better chance. I mean, if you got the money to spend on an outfitter, in most cases, it's nice to go with an outfitter just to the fact that your chances of success go up so much. Um, but, like, I, I'll tell you a story. I went on a hunt in uh, Arizona on the San Carlos Indian Reservation. Um, they have three units that are considered trophy units. They're the best units in the world for hunting elk, and they don't um, they don't even count those elk in the record book that they shoot on this Indian reservation because they'd have all the records. And then they have a unit that's off to the side that they call their management unit that they let all the locals hunt it, and they let the uh, they let thirty non tribal members draw a tag. So I applied for it one year. And I threw it, and a member. So I hired a guy, 
basically to show for just drive me around because I, you know, he had to be with me. Yeah. Um, he had never hunted in bull elk before in his life. He never elk hunted. Like he had no idea what he was doing. I can't even remember his name, but they called him Cowboy. It's a super nice guy, like great to hang out with. But like, I could tell, like ten minutes into the drive, the first morning, I'm like, this guy has no clue what he's doing. And I started talking to him, and I'm like, well, do you know, do you know the area? He's like, yeah, I grew up out here. This is where my grandpa, he he was a cattle rancher out here. So I'm like, all right, you can take me to the highest mountain where I can see the most area. I said, we'll be just fine. So for four days, and mind you, it's cold out, and we have about two feet of snow in the mountains of Arizona in the most gnarly country you've ever seen. Like, most people don't even know this place exists. Like, it's the only, I found out later, the only guy that had ever went into this area to kill a bull broke his ankle, and they had to, heli- they had to come in with a helicopter to get him out of it. So I went in there, and we found this bull on day four, and he was four miles away, and he went up over this mountain, and we, so we hiked over there four miles through the snow, got in there, and the backside of the mountain was solid trees besides this tiny little opening, and that bull bedded in that opening. So I killed it. I shot the bull. It was my second biggest bull I've ever killed. It was, it's my favorite animal I've ever killed just because of the story of how it, went, how it all went down. And killed this bull. We took us like five, four or five hours. We deboned it cut it all up, like, taped it out, did the whole work in the mountains, and then we packed out the first load uh, four miles, and it was miserable, like, absolutely miserable, like, the worst four miles of my life. And then we went in the next day and brought one more guy with us, and instead of going up the mountain four miles to get out, we went, like, six, seven miles, like, kind of down the mountain, um, to get the second load out. So it took us two complete days to, like, shoot the bull and get him out of there. But it was worth it. To me, I mean, it was, like, yeah. crazy experience. Yeah. Just the snow. It actually wrecked my boots. My boots got so wet and sore. The bottoms got so wore out and it's all solid. Everything's rocked there. Yeah. That my boots shrunk, like, two sizes. And I can't even get, like, I couldn't even get my, when I got my foot out of them, when I got home, I can't even get them on it. It was crazy. Like, destroyed a pair of boots in two days. That was, that was, uh, was that in South Dakota? Or was that in Mexico? No, that was Arizona. Arizona. That was in Arizona, yep. So. So, and I've run in South Dakota a couple of times. Like, South Dakota is one of my favorite states to run from. Those, those guys probably had no idea what they were in for. No, no, they had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, was your biggest elk the one you shot, uh, in New Mexico? Yeah, I killed a bull. Um, crazy story. So I've hunted in New Mexico like nine or ten times. And when you started hunting there, it was really good for like big bulls. And then like the guys, the outfitter we hunted with took way too many hunters and they killed, like killed off the mature quality of bulls. Like there was not big bulls there anymore. And we went there one year and my good buddy who I always hunted with, I'm like, hey, what are you doing this week? He's like, oh, nothing. I said, you want to try to find me a bull to hunt when I get there? And he's like, dude, there's, there's no big bulls here. It's terrible this year. And I said, well, take two, if, you, if you're free this week, try to find one. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll look. So he found, like, a really nice bull. Like, all right, when we get there, we'll hunt that bull. Night before I left to go, he, 
he had found a set of sheds in this meadow. And this, this meadow, I, I think it killed three or four bulls on the same meadow. So he found a set of sheds of a bull that they'd never seen before. And so the night before I leave, he finds this bull that he had found the sheds off of. And he's, he's like ginormous. Another guy was hunting in the area, and so he called him over there to try to shoot that bull. The guy went in there, and he shot the wrong bull, like a 100-inch smaller bull than the one that he was supposed to shoot. So we went in there the next night when I got there and literally walked to the gut pile from the other bull, and I shot that bull on the first night of my hunt. And he was... 396 inch bull that one was like and but I like it sucks because I don't take a lot of pride in that bull because I didn't have a lot to do with it like you know I'd have rather been the one that found him it just like cool it was a huge bull I'll never shoot one bigger in my life probably than that bull but it just I don't have near as much pride about it as I would if I was there the whole time and, you know, I had a lot more to do with actually finding the bull. Yeah. Um, did you shoot any of those elk with a uh, bow or were they all gone? They are all gone. I'll tell you. So I used to be a diehard bow hunter. Like that. I never, I, I didn't kill an animal with my gun until I was like 19 or 20 mm-hmm. and like ages like 12, uh, 22, I had never missed or wounded an animal with my bow. Like, I killed them all, and it was awesome. Like, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And then, one year, I had this fox that I was hunting, and he was a giant. He, the neighbor ended up getting him. He was 171 at eight pointer with a drop time. Like, the dream fox. Like, it's, yeah, giant. So, I waited until I had a cold snap in October, and I went in, and I rattled, and the buck, like, ran over the hill, come to me, and I snort weed. Like, shot underneath of him. And ever since then, I've had, like, severe target panic. Sounds crazy, but, like, I have a really hard time shooting my bow ever since that happened. Like, it drives me nuts, and I don't even like shooting my bow anymore. But Wisconsin, like, the bow hunt, the hunt in Wisconsin, you have to bow hunt, right, to hunt deer. So I shoot constantly, and I work on it, like, every year. But, like, when I go out west hunting, 99% of the time I go with a gun because I, like, don't even like shooting my bow that much anymore, and I've gotten into, like, long-range shooting, and I do a lot of that. And it just, yeah, I, ever since I got target, target panic, I don't do a lot of bow hunting. Yeah. I mean, regardless of bow or gun, it, it doesn't take away from any of the, the... Yeah, I did kill a really, really big muley with my bow last year in uh, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, and I killed, I've killed a lot of whitetails with my... I, literally, my all my all the whitetails I've killed in my life, I've only killed, like, I think two with a gun. All the rest of them are with a white... or with a bow. Um, I've killed two muleys with my bow. But I've never killed an elk. I have hunted elk with my bow a couple of times and had opportunities. And I will kill an elk with my bow. Mm-hmm. Like at some point I will because I really, really want to. But, um, yeah, no, I just, I don't, when I'm spending money and taking time to travel to go hunting, I, I just like having a gun in my hand if I can. 
Yeah. And I would say even for people who go out west for the first time, whether it's elk, muley, um, whatever it is, I feel like a rifle is probably your best option to kind of. Yeah, like if you're judging your hunt, like by the, you know, if you kill one or not, or if you bring meat home, um, I mean, most people that go bow hunting out of state on an elk hunt or a muley hunt, they're not going to kill one. You know what I mean? They probably won't even get a shot. Cause it, I mean, it's hard. It, it's tough. It's tough to get that last 40, 50 yards. Yeah. Close the distance and, and steal the deal. It, it's just it's challenging. And there's guys out there that I know, and they go on a lot of hunts, and they go only with their bow. And, I mean, and they're very successful. And, they, and it's like props to them. Like, they're next level how good they are at it. Yeah. Do you have any, like, aspirations for moose or caribou or going anywhere else? Yeah, so next year, um, I was supposed to go two years ago, and because of the border, keeps being closed, um, I keep pushing it back. But next year, we're going to the Yukon, me and Megan are, um, and we're going to hunt moose, and we can kill, while we're there, we, if we see them, we can kill them caribou, doll sheep, and grizzly. Um, and yeah, I want to kill them all if I can. <laughs> really like to. I don't, it's a trip that, like, I don't think I'll, you know, I don't think I'll do it very many times just because it's expensive. I mean, you know, it's like 15 days from when you leave to when you get back, minimum. Yep. Um, it's something I probably won't do maybe once or twice in my life. So if I'm going to be there, if I have an opportunity, I'm going to try to shoot everything that I can up there. Uh, but no, yeah, that, that's one hunt that I'm really, really looking forward to. Yeah. Matthew said he's coming with too. Yeah, yeah, he can come with. He can help me pack all this stuff off. I can't I get care. 15 days off of work. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Not a chance. Someone's got to stay back when I go hunting. Exactly. I don't know, I don't know if you want him staying back. <laughs> Your dog. Matthew forgets the part. Matthew forgets that when he's at home at 5.30 that I'm still answering the phone. Yeah. Oh, 5.30. It has been 5.30 in months. <laughs> oh, whatever. I know better. <laughs> Uh, so the Wisconsin bow season just started today. Um, I know you've probably been scouting all season or all preseason. So I just kind of wanted to, you, you bow hunted all of, uh, Wisconsin. What is kind of your bow setup that you do use? I, I shoot a Hoyt RX-3. Um, and I actually just switched, Matthew doesn't even know this. I, I just switched to the Iron, the Iron Will Broadhead. Um, I had a lot of issues with rage the last couple of years, so I quit using them, and then I switched. I used to always shoot, like, uh, the G5 Striker for years, and I had really good luck with them. So I went back to, to the G5 Broadhead, and I, I actually tried a bunch of different ones, and I'm having a hard time getting them to shoot, like, consistent, you know, like, three different Broadheads, they all shoot different. So I switched uh, this new iron, this company called Ironwell, and they shoot lights out, like crazy, more accurate than a field point. Like, it's, it's unbelievable the difference. Yeah. Um, Matthew, you can talk about kind of your bow setup. Where did you get your bow? You just got your bow, right? Yeah. No, I just bought my bow from uh, A1 Archery in Hudson. Uh, I got the new Matthews V3. Uh, I like Matthews. I started shooting him a few years ago when I bought the Triax, and I love that. Uh, just wanted to upgrade a little bit, see what... See what Matthews had come out with, you know, if it's any better than what they had. Uh, 
you know, I think they shoot the same. Um, Matthews V3 is a little faster. I feel like it's a little more stable when you're shooting. Um, kind of struggling right now. I kind of messed it up the other day. I moved my peep sight, and she's a little off now. So good timing for that on the first day of bowl season. So it's kind of stuck not hunting. Um, just trying to get it sighted in and get it back to what it was before, I guess. But, uh, yeah. Matthew's always trying to get his bowl sighted in. He's always having it. It's usually the operator, but I try and blame it on the bow. Just. Uh, Spence, what are you shooting this year? I know you just got a new bow. Uh, this year I'm shooting the White Torex. Uh, just picked it up from A1 Archery, same place Matthew got his. So far, I love it. Shot a few of them while I was there, and just the White Torex is where it was at for me. So Yeah. Spence, Spence actually shot a doe this morning. Yeah. This, <laughs> it was a quick start to the season for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, my goal was to try to put a doe down by October. I like to have a little meat in the freezer, and this morning, I guess the, the stars aligned for me. She came right down the trail, 22 yards, and got the shot off. So nice to start the season that way. Spence, Spence doing better than we are. Yeah. <laughs> Spence has kind of got a unique setup. He owns, I mean, there's like two acres of woods behind your house. Yeah, two acres of woods that butts up to a pretty good. You know, a pretty good chunk of timber that holds a lot of deer, doesn't have any pressure, so. Yeah, no one really gets to hunt that, and Spence likes to uh, let his deer walk around in his yard, so it's kind of time to start picking them off so they don't come up and eat his mom's shrubs. Yeah. So you got to thin the herd a little bit. Um, I know, obviously, you got a lease down in Buffalo and uh, some, I don't know, your other places, but. What are kind of your goals, Wes, this year for the Wisconsin bow season? So I got, yeah, I've had a lease down in Buffalo, same property. I think it's been 15 years. And then my family used to own quite a bit of ground in River Falls, and we don't have that much anymore. And I I have 35 acres at my house. So I got different areas to hunt. Um, but my goal, like my goal every year is like my goal that I shoot for is like a mature deer. That's like 150 or bigger. That's kind of what killed a lot of deer. And like, I just, I don't have any reason to shoot anything smaller than that anymore. Um, so I just kind of hold out and I'll be honest, like, usually if I don't get it done before gun season, I usually have pretty good luck late season on it. I just actually had a buck show up last night on camera that I was planning on hunting and he disappeared for a month, but he showed back up last night. So I'll probably hunt that deer down on my lease. Um, that deer, crazy story about that deer, he was, I would, I think, was a three-year-old last year. He showed up in January, and he was a six-pointer, like 11-inch G2s and 3s. I got both his shed, but he had no brow time. And he was only like 13, 14 inches wide. Well, this year, he looked identical, but he's an 11-pointer. And he grew his brow tines back, and he's got, yeah, he, and he, he's, like, absolutely huge. He grew, like, 40 to 50 inches. And so that's, like, kind of my target deer that I'm after. And then I found a giant by my house that, again, my wife gets to hunt him. So I get to just watch from afar as she shoots bigger deer than me again this year. But, um, yeah, those are kind of my goals. Well, as long as your wife shoots one bigger again, then – Everything's good, right? Yeah, well, and then we, the other night, before I left for my trip, we were with, uh, uh, we signed up for that competition I have in Eldridge for the weight time spread, or spread 
points and weight. I don't know. Are you, any of you guys in that? Yeah, yeah you're on my text, Wes. I didn't know you were in okay. that. But. Oh, yeah. I guess we're in it now. So now you're I lose automatically. To, you're talking to Mikey Bradner, and he invited us to be in it. So I'm sure my wife will win that, and she'll be bragging. Yeah, I need to get Mikey on this show. <laughs> Mikey and Nate Hovey or someone. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Spence, what, why don't you talk about kind of what your goals are this season? I know you try to work a lot, but maybe your boss will let you get off a little bit. Yeah, we'll <laughs> leave that up to the boss, man, whether he wants to let me go. Um, I mean, obviously, I think everybody's goal is to put a good buck on the ground when it comes to bow season, but uh, we have a couple of them on camera that – they were around early. Hard to know where they're at right now, but we'll see. I mean, the sky's the limit. Hopefully the rep picks up and, you know, something, we can make something happen, I guess, is kind of the goal. Yeah, we had a few nice deer on camera. Um, later summer, obviously, when velvet sheds, deer move, deer come back. Um, Matthew, you kind of had said that you didn't have shit on camera, but, you know, sometimes I've heard it's better to not have deer in the summer versus, you know, couple months after the or a month after uh you know they shed uh deer start coming back during the rut you never know what kind of happens what are your what are you uh looking forward to yeah that's usually what i see when it comes to early season you know scouting and putting cameras out and seeing what you have uh sometimes they'll have a lot of bucks and season comes around they shed their velvet they're gone you know and i sometimes they come back during the rut and sometimes they don't but this year, I don't have nothing going on really right now. Um, it's kind of kind of depressing, I guess. But as Wes tells me, you know, just you know, keep trying. You know, keep doing what you got to do, and they'll show up. And I'm hoping that's what happens. You know, so yeah, you just gotta kind of wait, I guess. But uh, Wes, you know, if you have a big buck on camera that you guys are trying to go after, who is the first person that gets the nod? You or Megan? Usually, like I said, if it's in River Falls, like, she gets the knot. And last year, like, last year I put, like, probably the most work I've ever put into scouting before in my life. I don't, like, I don't hunt. I go on a lot of trips, but, like, I don't get to bow hunt very much. Like, I probably only bow hunted, like, before late season last year, probably only bow hunted, like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine fits total. Um, so, I like, I try to like plan out a perfect like the opportunity like uh the season's open today but it's hot right so monday is going to be warm with rain tuesday's a cold snap well tuesday to the, the weekend like you're gonna you got a deer pattern that's when you want to hunt them so i won't i'm not even gonna hunt this weekend at home i'll wait you know for better weather but no uh, she usually not i guess every time <laughs> I don't, well, I don't even get a say in it. Like, the deer last year, I was, I was just going to say, like, the deer last year, I worked my butt off, like, to find those deer. And I stayed on them, like, every night I'd go up there and watch them, and I'd ram the cameras, and I'd go in there, and I'd do all the work. And then she's like, yeah, I think I'm going to go shoot that deer. And I'm like, can I, like, can I sit every other time or what? She's like, no, you got your ass. I'm like, all right, whatever. Yeah. Got to make the women happy, right, Wes? Yeah, happy life, happy life. Yeah, <laughs> um, if you're gonna if you're gonna tell Matthew that you're going hunting, what are the fa- your like favorite dates that you're gonna go? Um, probably during the rut. But what are your favorite dates? I crazy. I actually I do not like bow hunting like the rut rut. 
Um, I like September with a cold snap is my favorite. Early season when it's cold, like when you get like September, if you can get like a 40 or 50 degree day or even like a 60, like I, you can't beat it if you know a big deer is living in a certain area. But then if like I had to take a week off of work every year to go bow hunting, I would do like October 26th to Halloween. Yeah. To me, like, once those, those are when those big deer are up and moving and they don't have does. Yeah. You come into November and they get locked down with does, they're so hard to kill. And you can't, like, there's no consistency to them at all. These, like, the week before that happens, they're still, like, hitting food plots, fields every night just to send check those does. And you know those does aren't in heat yet, so they're going to check them all. They're going to cover that whole field. Uh, to me, that's the best week, far enough. And you would say, like, during those September days where you do get your cold snaps, deer are just more predictable. Um, if you have been uh, getting them on camera and you'd say, you know, if there's going to be a cold snap and you've had a deer on camera, you know, when that cold snap hits is that's when you're hunting. And it's a little more predictable than when rut is, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I've actually got into, like, so I do – I've usually put in, I didn't this year because I've been so busy, I'm probably going to do it tomorrow, but I usually put mock scrapes in like the last week of August and I'll move my camera to them because I've noticed like deer are so territorial, a lot more than I ever thought they were. And they'll start hitting those scrapes like in velvet yet, first week of September. And they'll hit those scrapes like weekly until they're run. Yeah. And so I had a deer two years ago that was on one part of our lease he disappeared for like a couple of weeks. And when I put my mock scrapes out, he, he showed up on the other end of the lease. And I didn't have any cell cameras at that time. I wish I would have, but I did it. And the only time I checked that camera is when I went up there hunting. Well, I went up there on October 14th. It was a full moon, like 40 degrees, and it snowed like half an inch that day. It was, yeah, I think it was two years ago. And I checked the camera, and that buck, like, two weeks in a row, every single day, in daylight, hit my strip. And it was at, like, 6 o'clock every day. And 5.50, here he come walking down the trail, and I shot that deer. In the October lull on a full moon. But it just, that, that was his area, you know what I mean? So, and I had a cold snap. Like, to me... I actually don't mind the full moon. I've killed a lot of deer on a full moon. Um, but to me, like, the 100%, the most important thing is, doesn't matter what time of year it is, is the temperature. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you got to, if you're late season hunting in December or January, and it's 40, 50 degrees out, those deer, you're not going to see any deer. They're not going to move. Yeah. But if it's negative 10 out, you're going to see every single deer that lives in the woods, you know? Yeah. It's just, and it's, that works always, like, September, all the way to the end of the season. If you just hunt, the day, if you just hunt the cold snap, the right weather days, your odds of successful way up, in my opinion, yeah. from what I've seen. No, I, I would agree, and you can probably see that happening on cell cameras now today. Uh, a lot of people take inventory with that, where they watch the weather, they watch the moon, um, and they they write that down and put it in a, a notebook and kind of see what their cell cameras are doing during those days. And, and you, can, you can predict a deer pretty easily just by doing that. Yeah, exactly. I agree 100%. Say, Wes. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, you're talking about mock scrapes. When you get those going, is there any certain attractant you like to put in them? I mean, is it a certain brand of urine or, you know, you name it, or do you just, you know, how do you set that up, I guess, is what I'm wondering. I've, so I've literally never used a deer attractant in my life. Never bought one. I've never used it. Um, I honestly, what I do is I just take a rake and I make a scrape there. And they start hitting it. And once one buck hits it or one doe comes up to it, it's, it's like game over. And they all hit it. Every deer that's in that field hits it. Um, my big deal I do, like my favorite thing to do, so I'll set up food plots. And every food plot I have, I put a pond in it at about 25 to 30 yards. I always put a little pond in every food plot I make. And then I'll put a cedar post in the ground and put a branch off of it, and that's where I'll make my mock scrape. So your shot's usually going to be, you know, around that 20, 25 yards off of that. And I set every property I hunt up, every food plot I do, I set them up the exact same that way. So you do kind of, you put a post in the ground with a branch off it. Yep, correct, correct. Yeah. Unless, like, yeah. I'm in a spot where there's, like, the perfect place where you know they have a scrape there every year. Yep. I'll just go in and open it up. Yeah. Um. I have heard what works, like, really, really good, and I didn't get time to try it this year, and I'll probably try it next year. It's like, you know, like those big heavy-duty ropes? Yep. Uh, yep. I can't remember the name of them, what it's they a, call them. The Hodag or whatever licking branch or licking stick. I know there's a company out of Wisconsin that uh, they have that. They have a rope, and they kind of have a little system where you can almost take, like, a, a big branch or a tree type of thing and put it in the ground and stake it in. I know a lot of people have been doing that nowadays. Yeah, and I know like I know people that just take like literally just take like a big heavy rope and then they'll just spray at the end of it. Yep. And yep. they'll use that as like the licking like that's their licking branch, right? Yep. And they work like they say like they hit them all year. They'll hit them in you know May. Yeah. They'll be at it. All pictures of them hitting it. So that's something that I'm probably gonna try here in the future. Yeah. Um. I know you said you don't really hunt a, uh, the rut hard, but do you do any? Like decoys or calling, what are kind of during rut tactics you do? Yeah, so, and I will say, like, the one reason, I don't, properties are different. Like, some properties are, like, awesome for the rut, and some, it seems like once all those leaves fall and you don't have, like, the bedding that you should have to do with our leaves, why, probably why I don't like the rut so much, because our deer, like, we don't get a crazy rut there. It's like they leave once November 1st hits for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love to rattle and grunt. Like, I killed 90% of my deer rattling and grunting them in. Um, I've had really good luck with it. I have a sequence that I do, and I know, like, when I was filming for my show, a couple of my buddies I was filming, they're like, you actually kill deer when you do that? Like, you feel like an idiot. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It works, like. I've killed a lot of deer. I like to rattle like every hour. And my favorite time to rattle is like October 25th to the 31st. Yeah. It seem like in the morning, I do it a lot, not so much in the evening, but in the mornings, I'll let them like come up, you know, figure, okay, it's been an hour. They're off the field. They're in the woods and I will, yeah, I'll hit the horns together and I do a grunt sequence. And I've had crazy good luck with it. Yeah, I agree. I like, I, I bring a grunt tube. When it comes down to the rut time, I would bring grunt tube and and uh, a set of rattling antlers to the woods 
every time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've tried, you know, just for shits and giggles, I've tried a decoy before, and I've had, I've had, I did it, I think, like, two or three times, and I had luck one time, and it was the coolest thing that I've ever seen. You know, like, people go turkey hunting, and they use decoys, and turkeys come up and destroy the decoy. I put out just, like, one of those little does um, one time, just messing around, and I actually had a, a nice... It wasn't huge, but it was a nice buck, and he came. He came in and he circled around this thing, and it was it was the coolest thing I ever seen. But I know, yeah, it's, it's I tried of, them. I've never had luck yeah, with them, but a lot of people do. Like your story, I mean, that would be awesome to see him come in and do that. And, I mean, it's it's kind of a pain in the ass sometimes too to freaking yeah. bring a decoy into the woods with you and haul it around. Yep, carry him around. But um, how many food plots do you have in this year? So on my lease, we have we have three on my lease, um, and then we have two bean fields there. So then at my house, I always I have a food plot there. Um, my dad's land; he's got a little chunk of woods that always produces. I've killed some really nice deer off of it over the years. Um, I got a food plot and a pond on that. So we actually just bought a chunk of property, a real like forty acres behind where our shop is in River Falls in town. Um, so I went up in there with the, with the backhoe and cleared out like a half acre area in the dead center of this woods and put a, put a food plot and a pond in there. And I'm actually like super excited about that spot. I don't have any shooters on camera there yet, but the deer use it like all day long. They're yeah. in there all day. So it's one of those spots where once I get a big deer, I know he's probably going to be pretty killable. Yeah. Um, what, what is like your go-to thing that you'll plant in a food plot? Um, I was actually, I listened to your podcast with Zimmer and I'm like, man, I need to call him because he yeah. knows a lot more about food plots than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I so, mean, yeah. He, I'm not like, no, food, no, go ahead. No, he's, he, he does know, uh, quite a bit and I think he's getting into it a lot more. Um, and they just have so much variety to choose from. And I, I mean, I, I don't know half the shit either, but just listening to him, uh, it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I've had, honestly, God, like, I, I used to own 100 acres down in Buffalo County for a couple of years. And in that, on that farm, I had a little, like, acre and a half food plot in the back. And I always plant, like, my favorite thing to hunt over is beef. Yeah. Like, I know it's not, like, cool and it's nothing new, but, like, beans work the best that yeah. I've ever found. Yep. I've killed more deer in or around beans than anything else that I've ever hunted on. So. And you like to hunt bulls or late season bull too, right? Say that one more time? Sorry. Do you like to hunt late season bull? <laughs> yeah, I love late season bull. Like that, I, I, yeah, I, and I, see, I really like the shed hunt. Yep. I always give Matthew crap because I, like, I, I've killed so many turkeys in my life. Like, I don't care if I ever turkey hunt again in my lifetime. Yeah. I, um... And I don't, like, I don't go fishing. Like, I don't fish. I never want to fish again in my life. All I want to do is hunt, like, big game animals. So then, in the spring, while everyone's talking about turkeys and, you know, getting their ice shacks off and all that stuff, I am shed hunting. Like, I spend January to March... Watching my watching the bucks I know about like more than I do in the fall, just so I can find their shit. Yeah, no, I agree. I love shut hunting. 
It's wow. you, you have a you have a lab, right? Yeah, I, well, I did. Uh, he actually he got uh, oh, I'm trying to remember what it's called. He got sick and he actually died on me. Uh, really? Yeah, I, I I took him to like three different vets. I was trying to figure out what was wrong with him, and it, it wasn't anything like crazy serious, but they never could figure out what it was. And then, uh, yeah, he ended up dying from it. I, I cannot remember off the top of my head what, what they call it. But, uh, but, yeah, I did have a lab that found sheds. And then uh, the gal that I had got the dog from, since he died in kind of a bad situation, how it all happened, he, she's going to let me use the dog this spring. Okay. Uh, one of her dogs, she's training for it yeah. uh, to take with me. I'm like, this year I'm going to try to get to Kansas to shed hunt. And like make a couple of stops, like take a week and go shed. I mean, I almost like finding their sheds more than I do shoot them. Like I, I don't know why. I agree. <laughs> it is fun, especially when you walk up on a, a giant shed. I don't know what it is about it, but I agree. I love shed hunting. Yeah, it's crazy. Like you know, I don't know. Like I'll find sheds up here, like that I didn't even know were there. Yeah. And then I actually a crazy story. I found a shed three years ago, it was a really nice shed, like, a deer I'd never seen before. Three years, fast forward three years, till now, like, this past winter, I had a buck show up late season, and I almost killed him. I hunted him really hard late season, and I almost shot him and didn't get it done. And I found his shed in the exact same spot I found that one three years prior. And I get home, and I'm, like, looking at it, and it was the exact same deer. Huh. Three years apart, and I had never, I didn't know the deer. I had never seen him before. Huh. Yeah. Was he way bigger, or is he, like, same size? Honestly, he wasn't that much bigger. He's probably only, like, so I would say when I was hunting him in January, I would say he was around, like, a 160 bucks, but he was a really nice deer. Uh, but he was probably only, like, five inches bigger on that one side than he was three years prior to that. Yeah, I think that's, like, the fun part about I mean, in your situation, it's probably a little better down in Buffalo. You can kind of find the same deer shed year after year, and that's, I mean, a little more fun. Yeah, we do. Like, we have created, like, yeah, we find a lot of sheds, and I know, like, all the deer year after year, but like, as far as hunting, like, Buffalo is not even close to what it was 10 years ago. Like, the last two, three years, I find bigger deer by my house than yeah. I do down there. And I'm hunting, I mean, my neighbor our lease is in the, right in the middle of a guy that owns 5,500 acres. And they don't hardly hunt it. I'm really good, for, became really good friends with uh, Hunter is his name. He's one of the, his, his dad, his dad and his uncle own the, own the farm now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you would think 5,500 acres, there'd be giants everywhere. And there have been in past years, like it used to be crazy. But I mean, like I said, this year, not that it, I'm complaining, I have a, you know, a 150 buck and a 160 buck to hunt, which is big, happy, whatever. But we used to, we, we had years where I had multiple, like, one year I had five or six 170 to 210 bucks on camera. And we seen them, like, they were there, they lived there. They, most of them got shot. So I know how big they are, I know what they scored. It was just crazy what it used to be to what it is now. Why do you think that is? Well, part of it is every piece of wood gets hunted, you know. If, if the person that lives there 
stone hot to get sleep. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest, I, I have nothing against, like, I don't mind crossbows. I have nothing against them at all. No, yeah. But I think some of it has to do with crossbows because the guys that didn't hunt much before, now they hunt, and you're a lot more accurate with the crossbow. Yeah. So the deer that stayed out there at 50, 60 yards that you couldn't shoot, now it's getting shot. Yo. You know, by those hunters. So a lot more deer are getting killed. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think it boils down to. I'll be honest, I think, like, where you guys live, I mean, Pierce County, to me, main, I mean, all that area is by far the best area in the state of Wisconsin, in yeah. my opinion, for white trout. And Matthew just bitches now, about it. There's no yeah, he near, bitches. There's no he's near got, Wisconsin. <laughs> he grew, grew up on a, he gets to hunt a farm that he grew up on in the best area in Wisconsin, and he complains. I know. I don't know what he's got to bitch about. Everybody shoots my deer. That's what happens. I don't even get to hunt. And now he's now he's calling them his deer. Yeah. Yeah. Now they're his deer. <laughs> um, so I got one more question. This is I just wanted to know this. You, I saw it on uh, I think Instagram, but you did a um, I don't know if it was a show or a contest, but it was called uh, Quest Hunting. Yep. What What is that kind of about? So it's called uh, Quest Hunt. Um, they're in multiple states now. So two years ago was the first year they did it in Wisconsin, and me and that hunter I was just telling you about, we were partners in it. We actually got third place in the state of Wisconsin. They, uh, You sign up. You and your partner sign up. You can shoot two deer. You can register two deer, and they go by a combined score of the two deer, um, as in that's how you win, whoever has the highest combined score. Um they, and then in like Wisconsin, you can shoot two bucks. So you can replace one of your two bull bucks that you register with a gun deer. Or if you don't shoot anything bull on it, you can just register your, you know, two gun deer. Uh, but anyway, they, they pay out the top ten places. Like first place gets two players rangers. Uh, second place gets two muddy bull blinds with the sands. Third place, like when we got third, we got trail cameras, backpacks, new bows, like, crazy prizes and now they're in states all over like they're in kansas illinois missouri arkansas ohio i mean they're everywhere it's growing it's huge now yeah no that i saw that and that looked pretty uh pretty cool is that was it was that more fun than kind of videoing for you know putting on tv or like tv the pursuit channel or would you maybe see yeah. yourself doing something like that maybe in the future when you know, maybe when your kids get a little older or when Matthew takes over your company. <laughs> oh, <geez>. Yeah. <laughs> maybe if I started a welding company. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Keep uh, building more sand plants, I'll keep welding. Do you do you think you could see yourself doing that or kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing? The show is probably – so, like, this, this gun stock thing that I'm starting, um, to promote it and to advertise for it, like all my hunts this year, besides the one I was just on, my buddy's coming with to film them for me. So I have like content with the gun stock showing its functions and how to use it and all that stuff. Um, I could see like if the gun stock takes off and I get a bunch of sales, I could see doing a show for that. Like just like Gunworks has a TV show for their rifles, right? Yeah. Where it's basically all about what they shoot with their rifles and why they're the best, blah, blah, blah. I could see myself doing a show for that, but just, like in general, probably not just cause I don't enjoy the, 
I don't know. I don't enjoy kissing people's asses to get sponsorships. And most of the time, like you get, it's for, you're trying to get products, like the good products that you're going to, that you want to use. They don't sponsor many people because they have good products. They don't need, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to like just use the product that I don't believe in just to get money. Like that's not me. I can't do that. And that's kind of what you have to do to have a show. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, maybe when your gun stock company takes off, you can just sponsor my show. Get a little discount. There you go. Get a little discount, right? That's what I'm saying. What? Uh, so you said you built a rifle. Just I'm out of curiosity. What did you build, or what is your favorite caliber to shoot? So I really like. So for a small caliber, I like like a six five PRT. Um, that's my favorite small caliber. I, to be honest, like, you can't beat a 300 Win Mag. Yeah. Like, a 300 yeah. Win Mag's been around forever, and they have, like, now they have, like, a 300 PRC, they call it, which, yeah, it's probably better, but, like, go try to find ammo for it. Yeah. It's next to impossible. So, like, I'm, I just built a new rifle. I'm going to have it next week. The 300 Win Mag with my stock on it. So, what makes my stock different than everybody else's is my stock has a bipod that's built into it. So I don't know if you've ever hunted with, like, a bipod on a gun. Yep. But they're terribly uncomfortable. They're always jabbing into your shoulder. Yep. And they're heavy, right? Yeah. So when you're hiking in the mountains, it sucks having a heavy gun. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I made a bipod that's basically half the weight of a normal bipod. And when it's on my gun, it's folded up like you don't even know it's on there. You literally could grab the gun where the bipod is, and it feels like a normal gun stuff. Oh. Um, and then, you know what I'm saying? So, like, it mounts in up into the gun stock, and the legs fold up, and they, like, tuck away into the gun stock. Okay. That's... And then, and then it also it has a lot of stuff on it. So then in the rear of it, it's, so I, I, you guys probably never done, like, super long range shooting. No. Um, but if you have, you'll know, like, they teach you, like, a bag of rice, like a sock of rice or something for the rear of the gun that you use for support to, like, adjust it. Yep. Um, they're heavy. Again, you're walking around the mountains, and you have more weight. So I, my gun stock has a single leg peg in it that we call, it's called a monopod, and you click a button, and it comes out. So when the bipod and that are both out, you basically build a tripod your gun is on a tripod for shooting long distance. Yeah, in the mountains. In the mountains, correct. But the nice yeah. part about this stock is everything goes folds up and goes away, so it looks like a normal gun stock, so it's not bulky and awkward yeah. when you're hunting in the Midwest, in your tree stand, you know what I'm saying? Yep. And it's all, it's all carbon fiber, and it's super lightweight. Like, I'm really excited about it. And the guy that, the company I'm having actually build the stock for me um, Idaho, that's all he does, and, like, he's super excited about it. He's, he's like, I think you're going to take off. Like, so I should have thought of this. Yeah. So I'm hoping, like, or maybe everyone's going to look at it and say, oh, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> no, uh, We're going to find no. out. But I, like, I think, it's, I think it's something that people that hunt out west, that hunt everywhere, like hunt Midwest, out west, you want, like, an all-purpose gun. It would be, it's like perfect for it. Yeah. Oh, um, just a couple quick questions. How big is like the tripod on the front of the gun? 
So when the legs fold out, they are seven inches. Okay. And you click a button, and they they're adjustable from ten to seven inches. Okay, I mean that for I mean even predator hunting that would I mean that would be badass. Exactly, if you're predator hunting and you can lay down, yeah, it is perfect. And I, the other I did one other thing to the stock. So when you hunt in the mountains, a lot of people like like you know using trekking poles for balance for hunt for hiking in the mountains, right? Yeah, yep. So I took a trekking pole. And I designed a, a like a tapered top for it, and my gun stock's got a tapered hole in it. So instead of having like primo shooting sticks that are flimsy and you're carrying them around in the mountains, yep. you just, uh, my gun stock's gonna come with a trekking pole that you can use as a shooting stick also. Yeah, that's that's pretty legit, I think. Um, yeah, so I got a lot. There's a lot of different features in it. So I kind of I was gonna do like. One at a time, and then I'm like, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do them all. So I yeah. put them all in there right away. Do Yeah, for sure. When you do come out with these, you have to let Matthew know or let me know. I'm, I'd definitely be down to – I want to shoot it for yeah, sure. I know. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty cool. Matthew got to see my prototype. Last. I used – it was crazy because I actually had a company out of Canada that heard what I was doing, and they called me, and I had a bunch of phone calls with them about – they were trying to buy it. Yeah. Or – talking about buying it from me, the idea, yep. and I patented it, and then, uh, so, they're like, well, what is, have you used it? I'm like, yeah, I made a prototype, I shot it all year, I got like five, six hundred rounds through it, they're like, well, what'd you make it out of? I'm like, well, I just 3D printed it on a 3D printer. Yeah. They're like, that's crazy, like, that actually held up? I'm like, yeah, it still works today, it's been in my, in my gun safe, like, I could use it right now if I wanted to. So, I used the actual concept of it all last year. Huh. And it worked awesome. Like, I killed a whitetail with it at 900 yards. Um, I, sh- I shot an elk at 760 with it. Uh, yeah, no, I, it works really, really good, in my opinion. You know, obviously the truth will come out when everyone, when other people get to start using it. But. Yeah, no, I just remember holding that gun for the first time when you brought it into work there. Uh, I just felt like it was really comfortable. You know, it was cool how you had that designed. And, I, yeah, I definitely... It's a great idea. I wouldn't let Matthew be shooting seven hundred or nine hundred yards. You just no. Keep... We don't even let we don't even let him hold guns. We kind of hold them for him. Let him hold the welding stick. There, won't, there won't be a whitetail left in Wisconsin if I had that. <laughs> we'll keep him in Wisconsin, two hundred yards, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I know you're probably you probably got to get going here soon. Matthew said you're busy. You got to get to work and shit today. So. Work, yeah, geez. <laughs> See you um, Monday, right? Yeah. So, uh, if you got anything else, otherwise, I think that's good. No, I appreciate you having me on. Like I said, I told Matthew, I said, is you ready for a long one? Because I, I could just talk about it all day. Uh, anything to do with hunting. <laughs> I looked over and Matthew was rolling his eyes every single time. He was sitting oh, there yeah, texting his that. girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I appreciate you coming on, taking the time out of your day. Yeah. No problem. So yeah, no good luck to you guys this year hunting, and hopefully you get the big one. Yeah, you too. Send uh, send us some pictures. Yeah, we'll do. So yeah, I know. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Yeah, have a good one. Yep. Bye. Bye.
Thanks, guys, for listening to the show. Uh, why don't you give us a follow on Instagram at the Rush Valley underscore podcast, uh, Facebook at the Rush Valley podcast, and make sure to check us out on the website. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, once again, we got some pretty sweet stuff coming in. We got some hats, some shirts here coming, and uh, maybe some other goodies. Uh, stay tuned and check us out. Ciao.